You're listening to the Brooklyn USA podcast, an occasional audio love letter from Brooklyn to the world. This week, we're going back, that is, getting ready for school. And while there's still a lot to figure out about exactly how that looks, the wheels on the bus go round and round, all through Brooklyn, USA. However you go back, we've got your back. One of the things that we have here in New York City is uh, an ongoing scramble to figure out how to open up schools safely. And even in the midst of what is currently a two-week delay, we're still finding that schools are woefully underprepared to open for children uh, to be safe and for the adults who are in those schools, those teachers and staff to be safe. Breaking news here. A short time ago, Mayor de Blasio, along with schools chancellor Richard Carranza, announced schools will begin on September 21st. We have all worked together to determine the best way forward for our school system. Sometimes that means taking a few extra days to prepare, is what, which is what we're announcing here today. This has been a difficult time for our city. Opening schools has proven problematic. This has been a difficult time for our city. There is nothing more precious than taking care of the children of New York City. It's important that we think about how our individual actions can actually shift the terrain of education and impact far more than our own children. My name is LaRue Lewis McCoy. I'm an associate professor of sociology of education at New York University. And my research largely looks at why schools and communities remain unequal in the 21st century even when on their face things should be getting better, oftentimes they are maintaining at a gap or getting worse. Whether you're in New York City, whether you're in Dallas, Texas, the question of will schools open and will children be safe, will teachers be safe, is still a pretty big question mark. And so in response to this, a lot of families have started to move to this idea of what some people are calling learning pods or pandemic pods, which is simply the idea that a couple of families get together, usually between three and five families, and their goal is to provide some safety to make sure that their children are protected from COVID, to provide some stability in terms of educational opportunity, um, but also to hit on some of the social, emotional, developmental needs that they have. The people seeking learning pods in this specific, I guess if we were talking about learning pods, are, are kids who do not engage well or cannot engage well with virtual learning, especially uh, younger students, elementary age or younger. That's been the primary demographic for parents who have expressed interest in, in learning pods. My name is Wayne Tam and I'm CEO of Selector for Families. Selector for Families is a platform that matches parents with qualified teachers for learning pods. Parents are just have never been in this position. Um, to be teachers or even co-teachers, teaching assistant. And we're asking them to take on a, a brand new role. That's the value of school. That's why school's been around and effective, and that's been taken away from them. I think remote learning has been characterized as, you know, in, in the media as, as broadly a failure. And I think that, you know, because of how poorly supported um, and frustrated parents have felt, I think that's a little bit of overstatement in that, uh, you know, it's a confluence of events, COVID, parents are ill-prepared, schools are ill-prepared, and it happened all of a sudden. 
in this moment, parents are making choices around how to provide for their children, how to create a safe environment. But we also have to recognize that individual choices that parents make also have consequences for other kids who are uh, friends with the family in the school, but even larger uh, choices as well. So in this moment where the conversations I've been seeing happen with parents are a lot of them are concentrating on what's best for my child, but not thinking about that your child is nested in a classroom, is nested in a school, is nested in a community. And so what often happens is those families that have more means or more resources are choosing to create pods that are often uh, racially segregated, economically segregated, linguistically segregated, segregated along class lines, which means those who have more are potting with people who have more and they're going to take off further and faster than other people. So in thinking about their individual choice, they're not always thinking about the collateral consequences that come along. And particularly for families that are more vulnerable, families that don't have the opportunity to pay for private childcare, don't have the opportunity to pay for a private tutor or a private teacher. 12 million grade schoolers will be learning remotely this fall. It's a major source of stress for America's working parents. Some who can afford it are turning to an option called learning pods. A new survey by the Pew Research Center found 43% of U.S. adults say they or someone in their household has lost a job or taken a cut in pay due to COVID-19. I think that the main problem, like the gist of the problem, is people are being given things that other people can't have because they can't afford it. Like that's the gist of the problem, right? The specifics of that will depend on the situation and depend on the school and depend on the parents. But the gist of it is that some people are being given things that other people can't have. My name is JPB Gerald. I am a, an adult educator and a doctoral student at CUNY Hunter College. I am focusing my research on language education, race, and whiteness. There are some places where the kids are being forced to go to the physical building and people are pulling their kids out of those schools, which means that the only kids who have to physically go to the buildings are the ones whose parents can't afford to do this. So those kids are not just, you know, not getting the pod, but they're also being more exposed to the disease and so on and so forth. And also therefore bringing it home to their parents and so on. So it's not just educational inequity. It's also, you know, a health inequity issue. Um, then again, there's some that are worse and some that are better, like the people who are spending like $25,000 on the semester to do this and pulling a teacher out of a public school to pay them. That's what, you know, what they all call opportunity hoarding to the extreme. The term opportunity hoarding was first used by a sociologist around 1998. His name was Charles Tilley. And basically he said, if there's a resource, if there's something that's valuable, People will try to organize to gain access to that resource, but soon they'll, they'll create a boundary around it. They'll keep people from getting it. And so I think Tilly was very right that a lot of times what happens today is that you're taught, you're told that there's something valuable, you should go for it, do your best, work your hardest, like, you know, someone's got to make it, it should be you. Most of us work hard to provide our homes with every possible comfort for our children. We safeguard their health. We strive to set before them good examples of moral living, of manners and deportment. Possibly, we even pamper them. We cannot meet the complexities of modern life without molded school systems. We must keep our educational standards abreast of the swift moving times in which we live. If we hope to preserve our national heritage and our American way of life, the American way. 
But what we don't think about is that the depths of inequity that are present in even the idea of going for the best and getting the best for your child. So what we often see is that white families, affluent families, families that are well-connected have greater access to opportunity and resources. For me, opportunity hoarding becomes a way to talk about how everyday decisions that people make, really the allure of the American dream, can actually stratify opportunity and keep us away from a more fuller realization of, a, uh, of, of collective opportunity, collective quality schooling, and collective safety. What are you going to do? Good schools will keep America free. What are you going to do about it? I mean, learning pods do not address equity. It, it was very organic. It, it really came from the frustration of working families um, trying to figure out the best solution for their children who are struggling at home learning and families are working at the same time uh, or the parents are working at the same time. It came very organically. It doesn't address equity. It was never, you know, it, it was never meant to. One of the dangers of these pods, and particularly these private pods, is that they're allowing people to create very custom and boutique education. And while they won't last for everyone, this does end up being, in many ways, a direct pathway towards privatization and private education. Because if you have families with more means who are actually opting out of the collective work of education, um, yeah, sure, some of their tax dollars go there, but without an investment in school, all of the things that come along with them also don't. The whole point of public school is that it's not customized. Like, that's the whole point. The idea in general is that you go to the school near where you live, and in theory, the schools are supposed to be the same. That is obviously not the case. The answer some people will give you is that, well, it's unprecedented, so I just need to take care of my kids, leave me alone. I came here to discuss my child, and all you talk about is rights and heritage. As specific as the pandemic is to this time, it, it's really like the fact that there is an education crisis is not new. This crisis is new. But the fact that there is something that is hitting people in, you know, with discrepancies, right, is not new. Um, and unfortunately, whenever people are uncomfortable or afraid, a lot of them pull up their stakes and they don't worry as much about other people, at least in this country. When people are thinking about these pods, sometimes I'm told, well, well, look, we should just have a hard line and say no pandemic pods. But the truth of the matter is that parents who are thinking about potting are already potting and they're committed, right? So that ship has already sailed, so to speak. What I do ask parents who have made the choice to pot is to try to think about equity in their practice. This is also a perfect opportunity to think about how segregation operates in your life. Are the people that you've invited into that personally connected pod, are they all from the so same socioeconomic background? Are they all college educated? Are they all coming from homes where English is a dominant language? If you see those kind of things up front, you probably need to pause and reconsider what kind of pod you're forming. Because you're not forming a pod that reflects the diversity of our schools. You're not forming a pod that reflects the diversity of our communities. And you're certainly not forming a pod that suggests to your children, we value people who have different lives than us and we're committed to working in community.
Okay, so Ujima is the third principle of Kwanzaa, and it essentially means collective work and responsibility. Um, the broader explanation on that is to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters' problems our problems and to solve them together. My name is Shakira Williams-Thomas, and I am the founder of the Ujima Learning Pod in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. During this pandemic, I think the big slogan has been, we're all in this together. It really is that. We really have to be in this together. Yes, I am a teacher, but I'm also still a parent. So I understand it from both sides and being able to see what some of the problems that may arise or were going to arise, being able to have the foresight for that, that's what made me start Ujima. I did have a parent ask me, like, do I need to unenroll my child from school? And I'm like, no, we're not asking anybody to unenroll your child from school or anything like that. We are here to offer that supplemental help in your community for the learning that your child is doing and to help enhance the learning that your child is doing and also be a place where your child has a structure to be like hey this isn't exactly like regular school but it's somewhat similar where i get up i leave my house i go to a different place there's other kids here and <laughs> i go through my work in my school day i think when the word and the term and the buzz of learning pod started a lot of them can be very cost prohibitive <laughs> to many people. The research that I've done on getting a tutor is 50 to $150 per hour with a four hour minimum. There are some learning pods that are anywhere from $1,500 to $2,000 a month, and you still have to provide the space. As we saw during the pandemic, many black and brown people were in that essential worker category where it's like, I don't have the ability to work from my house. How am I going to hire a teacher and then have you in my home during the day and I'm gone working somewhere like it just didn't work? I think that learning pods, they are important for a number of reasons. One, I think for black and brown children and children of color, I think if you look back into like the 60s and 70s, um, like with the Black Panthers and the Young Lords, when they started the Freedom Schools, those were essentially kind of like micro schools in a way um, where they were focusing on black history, Latin history to help build those kids and students in a way academically that you wouldn't get from your regular mainstream school. When decent education that teaches us about the true nature of this racist decadent system, education that teaches us about our true history and our role in society and the world today. Do I think that this is to say, burn down the public school system, you know? No. Do I think that we have a lot of things that we can learn and do and change? Yes. There will be people in the community, whether you know them or not, who need support at this time educationally, especially if you're able to just put a pod together for your kids it is almost imperative that you are a person who does something for the community in general. And that doesn't mean go find one poor kid that you want to support, right? We don't want to individualize this. It's like, what can the community itself benefit from? 
charity doesn't actually equal equity. Charity allows unequal systems to exist. So when we think about learning and we think about equity, we can think about individual parents, we can think about DOE, but we can also think about New York City at large. And this is a place where we can start to think about how we connect up and leverage the resources that exist in our community. So whether it's a local community center or whether it's a program that traditionally runs after school, now would be the time to actually model community learning and education. So in places in California, particularly the Bay Area, they've moved to a learning pod model in which they've identified spaces that are stable, that can be safe, but also made sure that what we call youth workers, people who work with children on education, on social development outside of schools, that they have an opportunity to, to pitch into the pot too. So in these learning hubs, they're serving thousands of students where kids can go and have stable internet connection, could have interactions with their friends, but it can also get work through the curriculum. Unfortunately, New York City hasn't committed to such a model. I think New York City could pilot those things and say, hey, look, there are two or three districts where we want to figure out if these learning hubs will work and how they could there work. There are ways to use the ties that we already have to create new opportunities and to make sure that we are literally living out the proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. We have to be the ones who are willing to uh, sacrifice a bit and to create something different because if not, we'll continue a cycle of inequity. Blended learning, a noun formed by the unhyphenated combination of blended and learning. Blended, past participle of blend, from the Middle English B-L-A-N-D-E-N, akin to the Old English B-L-A-N-D-A-N, meaning to mix, to mingle, to mix or stir up a liquid, hence sometimes to render turbid, pollute, spoil, destroy, sometimes to agitate trouble, to disturb, joy, peace, beauty, weather, to pass imperceptibly into each other by assimilation or confusion of contiguous parts, especially in reference to color, to blend away, to pass away by blending. Learning, from the Old English L-E-O-R-N-U-N-G, the action of receiving instruction or acquiring knowledge, specifically in psychology, a process which leads to the modification of behavior or the acquisition of new abilities or responses, and which is additional to natural development by growth or maturation, frequently opposed to insight. Blended learning is an educational model that combines face-to-face -face classroom lessons with lessons that use computer technology and may be given over the internet. The concepts behind blended learning first developed in the 1960s with the introduction of technology-based training on mainframes and mini-computers as an alternative to face-to-face instructor-led classes. The formal terminology to describe blended learning didn't exist until the late 1990s. The city's proposed blended learning approach, which would rotate in-class learning two to three days a week, has advocates and parents concerned that it doesn't put children and working families first. Prior to sitting down and having this conversation with my mother and younger siblings, I kind of thought of the whole COVID school situation as a get-out-of-jail-free card for kids, you know? But in the midst of these conversations, I started realizing how much this is really going to affect them and their futures. We talked about everything, 
from academic drawbacks where in a world so centered around technology, kids still feel like they're disengaged from learning. And even down to the positives of bully kids being given the opportunity to learn without scrutiny. These conversations illuminated two sides of a coin in which COVID means socially distancing from others, but often close quarters for families. With the home now functioning as a school and office, the return of in-person schooling offers a reprieve for those willing to take the risk of sending their vulnerables into a pandemic. This brings us to a candid conversation between my family, one of the many who are facing the challenges of this upcoming semester. So with school about to start again, how do you feel about going back to school? I like that we're going back to school because it gives me a chance to actually go back to my daily routine before the coronavirus. I'm a little nervous about going back to high school because I know everything is going to be different. I'm not very flexible when it comes to change. However, I'm very excited to see how they're going to like do remote learning and also school learning. So that's kind of interesting. What about you, Kyla? Since school started, I'm already kind of like dreading continuing the semester because all of my classes are completely 100% online and I'm not going to be going in person, which kind of sucks because I really wanted to get that hands-on lab experience or, you know, going to a hospital or nursing home and actually work with people and patients since that's what I'm going to be doing in the future. But as of now, everything's kind of on hold. My advisors are basically um, having us just run around, do drug tests, order uniforms, buy supplies that we're nine times out of ten not even going to be using this semester, so I'm a little upset about that. My name is Kyla Primus. I'm a sophomore at the New York City College of Technology, and I'm a nursing major. My name is Carmel. I'm in 11th grade, and I go to John Dewey High School. My name is Karen Primus, and I'm in the 8th grade. My school is PS280. Hi, my name is Mavis Palmer. I am the mom of a sophomore in college, an 11th grader, and an 8th grader. The last school semester, it was real, real hard on the family because I contracted the COVID in the beginning of it, and I didn't get rid of it until June. So I really didn't even have a chance to really do the homeschool and stuff. My older children, they had to hold it down for me, playing principal, <laughs> lunch lady, making sure that the younger ones was up in the morning. So I, I really didn't even have a chance to really engage with them. So I don't know how it's going to be this semester because I chose blended. Blended is the option where your child can go to school every other Monday and two days out of a week. The main reason that I chose Blended is because my son has a para, he needs occupational therapy, he needs speech therapy, and he also gets some type of counseling. You can't get that online. We tried it last semester, it wasn't working out at all. Certain things you cannot just do virtually online. For my uh, 11th grader, that she definitely needed to go to school. Even though she did okay, I can't say she did bad, she did okay. Last year, everybody was just passed. The 11th grade is very important. She also gets services because of the fact that she'll be trying to go to college. I need her to be in school, hands-on, so that I know for sure her grades are going to be where they need to be for her next year. 
I just feel with her being back in a social setting is better because I don't want her to be shut down in the house and not be able to at least have some type of social life being among her peers. That's going to alleviate a lot of stress inside the house also because you know how teenagers are. Before school starts, my plan is to let the children get a COVID test to make sure that they're good on that part, just in case the school requires it, and just to keep that on hand. What I did so far is I had my little talk with the kids and told them that, you know, safety is first, you know, you gotta wear your mask, have your hand sanitizer, stay away from somebody up on you. You know, keep that six feet apart distance. I just send them in like that. I mean, it's, it's nothing else that I can do, but just, just do that. Are you afraid or anything like that? Do you have any fears about school? I know you know that you're going to have to wear your mask. How do you feel about that, wearing your mask all day long? I'm kind of neutral on that. If I gotta have my mask on, that's how it's going to be. So I'm just going to accept it. So what happened if somebody cough on you? What do you think you would do? Leave. That's it. Leave. When I get back in school, I'm going to stay away from everybody as much as possible and follow the instructions the teachers are teaching in class. Okay. What about you, Camille? It's uncomfortable for me to, like, wear masks, but, like, if it's between getting sick and, like, putting everybody else at risk, of course I'm going to wear a mask. Schools aren't really going to, like, leave the option open for students to be around other students as much. So um, hopefully I could have time in the bathroom to take a breather, you know? <laughs> Is that bad? Is that bad? I don't know, maybe. So I'm neutral. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to add on to what Camille was like just talking about, about um, having to stay away from like other students and other people. And it's kind of like what I'm going through right now because the whole program is kind of like finding your buddy or or finding that engagement, the study group you want to set up, like getting to know your cohorts and going through this experience together. And that's for me kind of been simplified down to group chats on my phone, which once again is like upsetting for me because I want to get to know the people I'm going to be going like through a two year program with. And that's kind of impossible at that point. You know, thinking about like if I had to go through that when I was in high school, I don't know what I would have done. Just in high school, your whole thing is like your friends. You want to be surrounded by your friends. You want to talk to your friends. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people haven't been able to meet up this summer. You're kind of going into it in a way like touch starved away from like the people that you're experiencing this like whole step of your life with. So mom, how do you feel about us going back to school? Certain things you cannot just do virtually online. Far as the transportation, I'm kind of scared about that, but I mean, it is what it is. You can't hide from it, so. I was totally against it in the beginning. I guess because of the fact that I got the COVID, uh, I've been watching the news, and I don't think the school is really ready to accept children right now. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, there's certain areas that you need help with. We already know that we both decided blending, then you had to talk me into it. Yeah, I really did. From my understanding, the schools are being pushed back because the teachers, they are not ready. I believe the school is not ready also to open back up. But, I mean, it is going to be what it is. It was supposed to start on the 10th and the 16th. It's pushed back to the 21st. 
personally, I think probably going to be pushed back again. But the first sign of anybody getting the coronavirus, you know you're out of there, right? Period. Yo. Okay, so that's the agreement that we have. I'm definitely kind of biased with it. I want you both to be able to go out and socialize. I know you've been locked up in the house and everything like that. We're just going to have to take it step by step, day by day. Yeah. Because I've been hearing that it's not even a lot of children that are even going to school, which is kind of safe. So that's why I'm like, well, all right, maybe that might be a good thing. Every group goes for two days of the week. So there's group A, group B, and group C. And I'm in group B. Well, let's hope group B doesn't get uh, <laughs> the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, let's just, <laughs> let's just hope that group never gets it. That's why you're in group B instead of group C. <laughs> so, Kyla, with your first year of college, I know this probably sucked. You know, <laughs> half of it is online, and you're in a nursing field. I've been in the nursing field, so I know how it is. You really got to socialize, and clinicals is a big part of the nursing field. Like, how is it for you? I literally only spent a semester and half of college in person, so I'm not getting the experience. I'm not getting the experience I was told I was going to have when I went to college, but that's okay. I think, you know, going into this semester, everybody has been a lot more understanding of the fact that we really need to be in this as like a group in order for us to have this successful learning experience so like what I was talking about with like the group chats it's kind of like second nature now hey guys what's your number so we can talk outside of this hey guys what's your number so that we can like if anybody needs help we uh, as students ourselves we can just like reach out to one another check up on one another and kind of like to the most like to the greatest extent get to know each other since you know Everybody's kind of anticipating going back and being in person and being able to meet up, even though we're not sure if that's certain. But, like, as far as you're talking about, like, the nursing program, I've really just been trying to stay, like, up to date on, like, how is this going to, in the long run, like, affect my graduation? Because, you know, clinical hours, like you said, are needed in order to graduate. Is New York going to loosen up on that? Are we going to really just be able to go into a job and show my resume and say, oh, well, I did clinicals on a virtual simulation lab? I think they're going to just pass everybody because they just I passed everybody not, last year. Uh, th- I hope not if you're in a nursing program. When, when the school's educators told me, don't worry, they don't even have a grade. They'll just pass because if this is how it's going to be for the next four years, I should have went back to college. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I teach y'all not to walk in fear, so world's going to open. How, how do you really feel about it? I mean, you think you're going to be able to deal with Going on a bus, masking up every day. It's going to be a lot. You know, I'm I'm definitely going to have to take the precautions and uh, make sure everybody around me, as well as uh, as myself, that I'm safe. So, you know, it's going to be a lot. But in order to get the proper education that I need, I'm just going to have to deal with it. How do you guys feel? I feel that it's a step in the right direction. But at the same time... One thing I really liked for online learning is the fact that kids that were getting bullied don't anymore because those bullies are not in those their classes. Okay, so you think online was easier for you? Like in a whole, as like in general, like completely experienced? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. But I still like going to school normally. That's what I really liked about school, going on those trips. 
from home to school. From the meetings I've heard, you're not even going to be leaving the classroom to go to get lunch or anything. Every 30 minutes, somebody's supposed to be in there wiping down everywhere and stuff like that. It's, it's no more normal. It's not going to ever be normal again no time soon. School not only is like an educational place that kids go, but also a very social place, a place where kids go to build their social skills. And because of remote learning for a lot of kids, especially me who doesn't have like a lot of friends, has taken a toll on the social part of my life. And I feel like going into school now, like it might not be as social, it's still like worth it. And hopefully like they can incorporate that social part as well as the safe part. So yeah. They were telling me in my program, if they come out with a coronavirus vaccine, that it's mandatory, I get it. Like, there's no getting out of that. So how do you feel about me in the future, like, definitely getting it when they do get it? I'm going to guess it all the way. If they're going to require me to vaccinate any of you guys before you have to go back into school, you're just not going to go. Because it take 18 months for any type of vaccine to be approved, so we don't know the the longevity of the situation you gotta be very mindful with what you inject inside your body just for a job mother i fully agree with you on that good and i'm going to add something i'm going to bring some hand sanitizer with me Mm -hmm. and i'm going to be six feet away from everyone to percentage as you should and just be safe right that's what you're supposed to do like you were talking about not walking in fear how do you feel like you balance him having that like having to go in um to school with that mindset of i have to stay away from everybody i gotta keep like my vicinity clear versus like being like confident and comfortable in the environment and not having that fear well this is the new normal the new normals you got to put on a mask when you go out the house i feel like there's a difference between walking in fear and being cautious and safe you know you have to take the precautions, not only for yourself, but for others. Wear your mask, wash your hands, do all the extra stuff. And I feel like that's being cautious. Walking in fear is just like borderline. Because you got to also remember, a lot of people do not think like you. And a lot of people are not going to be cautious like you. Because not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody, mom and dad, is going to sit them down and say, listen... When you go to school, you're going to have to make sure that you don't cough on people, you don't sneeze, you keep your mask on. Uh, It's going to be that one child that's going to be like, (coughs) I got the coronavirus. It's going to happen. My generation has a way of turning bad situations into dark comedy. So I know there's always going to be kids like that. So you're going to have to make yourself aware because this is one of them bad little kids that has not been taught that this is what they're going to do. They might have it for real, and guess what's going to happen? School going to get shut all the way down. And you know what's going to happen then? You're going to be home. That doesn't sound fearful to you, Mommy. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like No, that's not about. fearful. I'm putting you in the environment where I'm trying to create a new normal. Because if I don't tell you what you're going to walk into when it happens, you won't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I want you to be prepared. If you don't be prepared at home, you're not going to be prepared anywhere. It starts here. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you'll be fine. All of y'all. Well, they got it saying too much of anything isn't good. I can't wait till the kids get out the house and go back to school because it's just too much at times. 
bathroom time, TV time, argue time. You can't even imagine what this house would be like majority of the time. So, I'm kind of glad that the schools is opening up. But then in a way, I'm kind of cautious. So, I'm kind of biased. But it's a lot of drama, a lot of stress, all these different personalities. It's a lot. And it's no place for anybody to have their little private time. At least when you was in school and everybody's at work, you know, such as get home this time, such as is at school this time, you at least can have that hour or two to yourself. There is no alone time whatsoever unless you're sleeping. And people have different sleeping patterns now. Some stay up all night, some sleep all day. So with that being said, I'm glad school is going to give us a little bit of structure at least six days a month. Check everything off the list with supplies from 50 cents. Get ready for school at Target. Last week, I was walking in the berries, my neighborhood, like walking exercise as usual. I did to buy the water. And at the beginning, that was fine. But just in only a few minutes, it suddenly changed everything. And we got a very, very hard raining. And I was like, oh my God, there was almost no time to hide at all. So I was totally wet, <laughs> completely, because nowhere to hide, right? Then right after, there was a rainbow. Mm. Oh. Rainbow, you know, in my life a couple of times before, but that was my first time to see whole thing. That was amazing. That was amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. I've never seen a rainbow in my life. Makes me really sad. Mm. Never? I've no never time. seen a rainbow. I've seen I've seen it um like in pictures and in videos, but I haven't seen it like before my eyes. You just gotta go outside right after the, the rain. Mm -hmm. I have done that many, many times. Every time it rains. Got outside, I've wistfully pinned my eyes onto the sky and nothing. I think like <laughs> this just hasn't happened. Has everyone here seen a rainbow before? Yeah. Yeah. Like a real one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw one recently. It might have been the same one maybe. So hmm. I saw a big oh. Yeah, that huge one was there. Yeah. That was huge. <laughs> When, um, when I'm you, back, can you ever like, buy a playground with a sprinkler? Yeah. Just like yeah. go near the sprinkler and just work the angles until you see a rainbow. One will appear if you just keep uh, doing laps around the kids Circle. playing in the sprinkler. <laughs> you will eventually come across a rainbow. Well, you, but yeah, when you're back, <laughs> we'll definitely like, we should roll. We'll yeah. And if we ever see one, we'll alert you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I Definitely. will run over. You know, like, you I could also just go to if you ever made it to Hawaii. It's like impossible to not see rainbows. It's like every day. Oh, oh my god, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's a way better solution. Than yeah. Waiting for one of us <laughs> to text you. Go to Hawaii. My yeah. version of that is um, knock wood. I've never been stung by a bee. And I, like, I feel like I'm missing something about life, having never been stung by a bee. But like, it you on that one. Grown up to yeah, same. None of you have ever been stung by a bee either. 
Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> oh, great. Am I the only one who's been great? So you're the weirdo. Charlie is the weirdo. Yeah, Charlie. We're normal. <laughs> Get out of here. Mayumi, have you ever been stung by a bee? What, what's... Have you ever had a bee sting? Been stung by a bee? You know, they like land on you and put their little device into you. <laughs> I think you would know if you'd been stung by a bee. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of you have not been. I have not been stung by a bee. It's just I thought this was like a rite of passage that everyone in life. Like a child. I still I can still like see when I was little. Um, I can still picture it. it one stung me like right here. But how? How is that possible? I was like playing like in our bushes and stuff, and I must have just you know stumbled upon it. Wow. Yeah. Definitely not signing into it. Really? What what happened after that? I don't know. I probably cried. It was I was like five. Of course. And um yeah, and then uh it just hurts for a while and swells up. Wow. And some people are allergic. Um Chris Radish was was allergic. Wow, but could be dangerous, right? Some people might. Yeah, if they get stung with the allergy, they could die from it. Yeah, I think I got stung by a wasp last summer. Ugh. Those are scary now. They were like, they had a little um, nest like on my friend's fire escape, and I just like put my hand uh, like on what I thought was the fire escape, and then I looked, and I was basically like holding onto a wasp's nest. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Live to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so bad. I like freaked out immediately. Yeah. I've got some wasps living on my fire escape now. So if anybody wants to, you know, get stung by something, see what that's like, you can just come over. Hey, everybody. It's Griff City saying that I am going to be doing one maybe two maybe three different things this week first things first i'm gonna not be the junior meteorologist i'm gonna be junior reporter for for brick radio the next thing is that i really missed recording i really missed it and the third thing is well i hope i have fun doing this which i usually always do it's been a little hard in the times right now. I'm going back to school, which I hope is going to be fun for me. I'm going to see all my friends again. My school year may be a little weird for me, and some other kids that are out there listening to this may say the same thing. But we're going to pull through. We're going to do this. We're going to get through this. I think that third grade is going to be great for me. Hope everyone that's going into third grade, fourth grade, or going into kindergarten, first, second, has a great year. Or even middle school. Oh, and one more thing. I just wanted to say I'm a little scared that I may catch some a disease or something. But I'm going to do this. I'm not going to be virtual a lot, but I'm usually going to be in school. Listen to Brook Radio for more I may do a few different things, but let's do this. Bye, and thank you for listening.
For everyone going back to school, we've got your back with low prices. Walmart. Save money. Live better. Brooklyn USA is produced by me, Sasha Mathias. And me, Emily Bogosian. And me, Shirin Barry. And me, Charlie Hoxie. And me, Kyrell Palmer. And me, Mayimi Sato. With help this week from Tira Hader, Brick Radio Junior Correspondent Griff City, Taylor Cook, and Lauren Germain. If you want to share a story, check the show notes for a link to our handy guide on how to record and send us a voice memo. And if you like what you hear, comment, like, share, and subscribe, and follow at BrickTV on Twitter and Instagram for updates. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. Can you introduce yourself to me as if you've never met me before and tell me your name? Just saying hello, Shaggy, but I've already met you before. <laughs> <a long> times. <laughs> yeah, but it's for radio, so you have to just introduce yourself to people. Who's you can... radio?